All right. Hello. <clears throat> so uh, today, obviously, is a uh, is a special day in the church. It's the the feast of the Assumption or Dormition of uh, Saint Mary the Theotokos, and so I thought today we'd spend a little bit of time talking about uh, the Holy Virgin Mary, and uh, <coughs> Saint Mary, obviously, in our church is a very uh, very special saint. She's considered the greatest of all saints. For those of you who are into the sports world, there's always this debate of the greatest of all time or the goat. And, you know, in basketball, it's obviously Michael Jordan. There's no debate about that. Uh, in football, it's probably Walter Payton. You can probably guess what city I'm from. But uh, those are the goats in those sports. And there's some debate there. There are people debate different people. But in our church, in our faith, there is clearly and undeniably no debate who the greatest saint of all time is. And it's, it's our blessed mother, the Holy Virgin Saint Mary. And this is by the admission of other saints. Uh, she is, she is uh, and we'll talk a little bit about how the Gospels talk about this and how other saints view her and how God himself, Jesus Christ, views her. And, um, you know, one of the things I really like is, is this icon uh, that, that we've seen in our, our church here. And we'll come back to this, but to me, when I look at this icon, it's a very unique icon of St. Mary. We often see, like here on, on my right, <coughs> Christ seated on, on the lap of St. Mary, who's on the throne. And, uh, you know, in, in preparing for this, uh, I was looking into iconography a little bit, just because obviously that's one of the ways St. Mary's depicted to us. But it, this, is, this icon of St. Mary is actually not an icon of St. Mary. It's an icon of Christ, it's an, it, as are all the icons in the church, right? So someone who's not from our tradition may walk into our church and say, hey, there's a lot of St. Mary worship here. But the icon of St. Mary is special only because it's Christ seated on her lap, right? That's the determining factor that makes St. Mary so blessed and so honored and so revered and venerated in our churches. And I, I feel like in the icon that's on the screen now, that's even more representative. That's even more represented, that Christ is the focus, the focal point of, the, of that icon. It's almost like she's hiding behind that image of Christ. And those of us who have read about St. Mary and have been taught about St. Mary and maybe have even had experiences with her understand that it's entirely appropriate to see her as somebody standing behind Christ, right? Standing uh, overshadowed by Christ, right? And that's the verbiage that's actually used in the Gospels. She was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit, right? So <coughs> let's move on here and talk a little bit about just some of the ways in our tradition that St. Mary is referred to. And obviously there's this term Theotokos, which uh, we'll talk a little bit about is because there, it does merit some discussion as to what exactly does it mean to be the Theotokos, right? And, um, you know, we know that other representations of St. Mary in our tradition is uh, she's 
thought of as the ladder of Jacob, the ladder to heaven. She's thought of as the beautiful dove. And of course, the beautiful dove is a, a reference to two things. Number one, her relation to the Holy Spirit. And number two, also the dove that returned to Noah uh, while he was with his family on the ark with the animals as a message of that salvation is at hand or that, that there is peace at hand. There is a return to life at hand and of course she is that for us with with our lord jesus christ uh, she's referred to as the second heaven uh, mostly uh, because of uh, her role in uh, carrying uh, the 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 fetus jesus right uh, it's sometimes odd to think of jesus as a fetus but he he was um, and she's her her womb was the second heaven it's the place where god resides Right, and so that's why she's referred to as the second heaven at times. The golden censer or the shoria, we even have a hymn in our liturgy uh, referring to the golden censer. Again, that incense and that coal that's in the, or the, the charcoal that's being burned in the, ins in the censer is, is representative of Christ and the censer is Saint Mary. So she's referred to as the golden censer. The burning bush, we have an icon, they've all moved. I can't remember where that one is anymore, but the burning bush where there was a fire inside the bush presented to Moses and uh, she was a, she, that's a, thought as a type or a representation of St. Mary that she held, uh, she held Christ in her womb and was not destroyed by it. Uh, so just like the burning bush was engulfed with flames and not, not disturbed or harmed, that's a, it's another type of St. Mary or a, an example of her from the Old Testament. She's thought of as the mother of the true light uh, for obvious reasons. Uh, the rod of Aaron, which was the rod that bore vines that shouldn't have a reference to her virginity. Um, the holy of holies for a similar reason that she's referred to as the second heaven. The queen who is by the right side. Uh, and that's one of the reasons why she's always in the Coptic iconography is always represented sitting on the right side of Christ. So Christ is on her lap. And she's kind of like, she's on, I guess, his, her left knee, and, he's, and she's to his right. Um, and then <coughs> the gate of the east, which is actually a reference to the prophecy in Ezekiel about the gate being closed, that no one should enter or leave. And this uh, refers to her in the Orthodox faith as, you know, the, her, that her virginity was maintained through, throughout her life not just at, at the time of the birth of Christ. So those are just some, some names that are given to, um, to St. Mary, some ways that we refer to her, and it's helpful. You know, other than Jesus, there's no one who is alluded to or referred to more in the Old Testament than St. Mary. And, you know, you think of, you think of this, and it's, it's remarkable. I mean, uh, out of all people in the world, history, all women in history, that could have bore Christ, we know that it was chosen specifically to St. Mary. Some people in other traditions will say, well, it was just a random vessel that was chosen in the, in the Jewish faith in, this, in the line of David, and anybody could have been that. And, you know, the Orthodox, as well as the, the Catholics, uh, respond, absolutely not. There is something very special and very ordained about St. Mary, and we see evidence of this in, in the Gospels, right? It's not just a random lady from, from way back when. 
Um, she, we know some things about her early life through our tradition. We know that she was presented by her, her parents who were not supposed to be of childbearing age. They prayed and were blessed with a child and she was presented to the, to the church to live and reside in the church at the age of three. We know that she was, uh, we know that she was later betrothed to uh, Joseph after she was visited by Gabriel and, and the, the events of the Annunciation. Um, I think we should probably talk a little bit about the, what the assumption or dormition is, right? Because that's not in the Gospels, it's not in the Bible. And we heard it in the Synexarium today. Uh, for those of us, um, you know, who need to be refreshed on that, as I was in preparing for this, I, you know, it's a very interesting story. So, she, so after, uh, so it's very clear from Acts that St. Mary was present at the time of the Pentecost. And it's very clear that she had a very close relationship with many of the apostles and disciples, obviously John the Beloved being first and foremost, who Christ uh, uh, basically gave St. Mary to John and vice versa uh, at when, while he was upon the cross. Um, but her, the story of her dormition, dormition meaning fall asleep, and the assumption different than ascension or resurrection, right? Assumption means that she was carried up to heaven. She was taken up to heaven. And so the story uh, in the Orthodox faith is that, uh, tr you know, at some point while she was nearing the end of her life, she uh, didn't, uh, God granted her to uh, kind of pass without suffering. And she, and in the Orthodox tradition, it's thought that all of the disciples and apostles were brought to her, we think, in a manner similar to like Sewahs and uh, um, Anchorites would. They traveled to be with her at the time of her passing. And um, <coughs> Gabriel informed her that she was going to be surrounded by these and she was in the process of, of praying. And her soul was taken up and her body passed. Now it's very interesting, the one person who wasn't there was, was St. Thomas. He was supposedly in India, but I guess <coughs> didn't do the anchorite thing and travel th to that. Uh, and so the bo her body was taken to, to Gethesme to, for, for burial. And three days later, <coughs> Thomas shows up late again. And uh, he's like, well, where is St. Mary? I want to see your body. And, you know, I'm sure all the disciples were like, really, Thomas? Like, we're doing this again? Like, and um, so to, to evidence it, they opened up the, the tomb and there was no body there. And Thomas says, oh yeah, I saw her being raised up to heaven, right? There's another interesting story. It's not so much in the Eastern tradition, but we see it in the Coptic tradition. It was read today where there was somebody who's trying to prevent her coffin from going to the burial site. And she, he like pushed against the tomb and then his hands came off on the tomb and weren't replaced until he repented, uh, given back to him until he repented and, and uh, offered uh, you know, repentance for, for trying to prevent that process from going. So uh, in a, basically a cloud of angels, her body was assumed to heaven to be with her son. And there's three people historically that we believe have had their bodies assumed, which is number one, St. Mary, Enoch, and Elijah. So those three are the three that have been supposedly assumed to heaven. And it's different than the resurrection. It's very important uh, characteristic because this is where you know, there's some distinction. Christ resurrected and ascended. He was the author of the action there. He was the verb there. He was the one who caused it to happen. 
For St. Mary, she was assumed, she was taken up to heaven. So the agent of action is still Christ. It was not her doing, it was not of her power or her will or her ability to have herself assumed to heaven. It was done through the power of Christ, right? So that's the difference between assumption and, and ascension. Um, <coughs> so let's look at the Gospels a little bit here uh, to, to find further evidence of uh, St. Mary's uh, special, the, the special area she resides in. And, uh, of course, the narrative is in, in Luke, and uh, it starts, a rejoice, highly favored one, and I highlighted that in red. So this is, this is the angel speaking to her, saying, you are highly favored one. That's not terminology that was used with anybody else, right? The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. Right, so just those descriptors, highly favored one, blessed are you among women, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And then later we see when uh, her cousin Elizabeth greets, uh, greets her, and it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Why, but why is it granted to me that the mother of my Lord should, should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greetings surrounded my ear, sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. So again, this is just testimony to, to who St. Mary is. She's not just a lady. She's not just a saint. She is blessed among women, the highly favored one, the one who the Holy Spirit and if you think about this, the, the, the rest of the disciples and apostles received the Holy Spirit on the Pentecost as, as the indwelling. She received it far earlier. She received it at the, at the, the conception of Christ, right? And, and so she's unique also in that way that she, had, she was the first to have that promised Holy Spirit residing within her. Um, and then, uh, blessed are you among women. So she's certainly not just a saint and not just an average lady, um, although her responses are not congruous with that. She's it's quite different how she thinks of herself and how she carries herself compared to what she was told and what she was said to be, right? So let's get a little bit into... Uh, this is always fun, you know, church heresies are a lot of fun to discuss, right? But um, the, the, the title, Mother of God, and that's what some people take, except some people outside our tradition take exception to that. And maybe we should, you know, there's suggestion and the literal translation of Theotokos is a little bit different than quote-unquote Mother of God, right? So we routinely say the Mother of God, but certainly we're not talking about St. Mary as being the Mother of the Divine Nature, right? That is not what we mean when we say Mother of God. We mean quite literally Jesus's mother, right? And she was Jesus's mother, right? So in, in the fourth century, there was a heresy, uh, Nestorian heresy that had a big problem with thinking of the little infant Jesus or the baby Jesus as a divine being, right? It was almost like an arrogance of like, how can this fetus or this baby be my, be God? It's, it was clearly not, the, the, the contention was that this is not God, that St. Mary gave birth to the human Jesus, and it was really an idea of separation of 
the, the natures of Christ, which we do not accept or, um, or believe in our, in our tradition. Uh, that, that's, we believe that he was fully human, fully divine, uh, you know, in our liturgy without alteration, without mixing, right? And um, so he was fully human and fully divine, but Nestorius claimed that he was just, he was human who had some, God granted some divine powers or some divine abilities. And so they preferred that they use the term Christokos, which is the beholder of Christ or the one who gave birth to Christ, right? And they wanted to make that distinction because they did not want to impart to Jesus the full divine nature and the full human nature at the same time. There was a mental hiccup in terms of making that leap. So the term Theodokos actually means, um, it actually means the bearer of God, the one who bore God. It doesn't mean <coughs> the mother of the divine nature, just talking about that she was the mother of Jesus Christ, which is a huge thing, but also have to, you have to relate that back to what exactly that means about the nature of Christ. But if you relate that this was fully human, fully divine in the womb of St. Mary, this makes St. Mary a very unique figure in history. Uh, nothing else is like, is like her. And the defender of this was St. Cyril of Alexandria. So St. Cyril of Al Alexandria was the defender. And this was really a cool little tidbit. It's not super important, but I thought it was interesting is that St. Mary is usually in her iconography clothed in blue. And uh, St. Cyril, likewise, is clothed in blue in the classic Coptic iconography because she was, he was the defender of St. Mary. And so there's kind of like uh, a really interesting little fact I, I learned um, that, that of that relation and that closeness and how St. Cyril of Alexandria was, was really linked to St. Mary and the defense of, of who she was. Um, so St. Cyril understood that it... <coughs> that if what we say about Christ is true, that from the moment of his incarnation he was fully man and yet remained fully God, then Mary ought to be venerated, the one who gave flesh and to and bore the king of the universe. So St. Cyril pro proclaims boldly that Mary is Theodokos as well as virgin mother, light bearer, uncorrupt vessel. He praises her saying, Hail Mary, you are the most precious creature in the whole world. Hail Mary, uncorrupt dove, hail. Mary, inextinguishable lamp, for from you was born the son of justice. Um, and then he continues <coughs> to say, Hail to you who held the uncontainable, one in your holy and virginal womb. Through you the Holy Trinity is glorified. The precious cross is celebrated and adored throughout the world. Heaven exalts the angels and the archangels rejoice. The demons are put to flight. The devil, the tempter, falls from heaven. The fallen creation is brought back to paradise. All creatures trapped in idolatry come to know of the truth. Um, so, you know, this is this is Saint Cyril speaking of of Saint Saint Mary, and so, you know, it's. Um, you know, and of course, St. Mary refers to herself, you know, if we, if we, if we think of St. Mary, um, and, and for me, she's a, she's extremely special. She was my mother's favorite saint, and she passed that on, on to me. And, you know, what, what we see from St. Mary is, if you ask anybody, 
who, who has studied her or has had experience with her is that she, her, her foundation of her life is rooted in humility. And um, that's, that's the one thing during her, her feast and the fast, that's the one characteristic of all of hers that stands above everything else, right? And we can understand how Christ would choose somebody so humble to, to bear him because Christ himself was, is, is the definition of humility, the condescension of God to come down to earth, to live as one of us, the uncontainable living in the contained. It's, it's mind-blowing, right? And then, so the person he chose to be his mother would, of course, be characterized by the same humility. And we see that I in St. Mary. She had trouble accepting. You know, we have the story of Elizabeth where she's like, oh, Zacharias, oh, no, you know, my wife's too old, I'm too old, we're not going to have kids. And he was muted. And that was because that was a disbelief. That was, a, it was like, yeah, God can't do that. I'm like 90-some, I'm super old, I'm not going to have kids. Um, and when St. Mary was confronted with the same or similar tiding, obviously not the same tiding, but the similar tiding, her response was one of meekness and disbelief, not that God could do these things, but that God would choose her, right? And that's, the distinct, that's one of the distinctions between why Zacharias was muted and St. Mary was glorified in her response. And she said, she said, um, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Um, and, you know, St. Siloan the Athenite uh, comments, The humble soul is blessed. The Lord loves her. The mother of God is higher than all in humility. And therefore, all races bless her on earth, while the heavenly powers serve her. And the Lord has given us this blessed mother of his as a defender and helper. And that's really a nice summary to anybody who is looking into orthodoxy or the differences between the different traditions regarding St. Mary. That's a really nice quote from St. Siloan regarding who she is, what her identity is. And, you know, I can't, I can't help but think for myself as, as a servant, you know, the shortcoming, my shortcomings because of looking at someone like St. Mary. And I think to myself that, you know, very, very common in our society now, we've seen servants of God, people who profess the faith, fall short of what they should, what God wants them to be or what God intended them to be. You know, people get notoriety sometimes because they're great speakers or they get uh, a huge church following, you know, 30,000 people packed into a, a stadium to hear them give a sermon or to, to lead a mass or you know they get you find out that somebody in your own tradition is doing things that he or she shouldn't have done to people he shouldn't have done them to and even in in the church body we see people falling short of the glory and some of it is because we're we're surrounded by this air of hubris that we allow to exist right we, we allow people to tell us that we are better than we actually are and then we start to believe it, right? And St. Mary did not allow this to happen to her. From the moment she was authored or, or 
or designated as the, the bearer of our Lord, she responded with humility. And it's not fake humility. It's real, actual humility. The maidservant of the Lord. And she's saying this to an angel, so he's going to know if she's kind of not telling the truth, right? So that's, a, that's a, 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 a lesson for us as servants, as people who attend church, as parents, as siblings, as sons and daughters, that we need to, we need to really put on this, this shroud of humility, right, to, to cover us and to teach us and to help us. And, you know, from the other side of it, we shouldn't be surprised when we see one of us fall, right? We do, we do, there should be a higher expectation for us as servants, as parents, as members of the Orthodox faith. But, it, but when we fall, we understand if there's an air of humility, there can be an air of forgiveness. If there's an air of repentance, there's an air of forgiveness with that, right? So, um, you know, I, I always love uh, thinking about St. Mary and uh, she convicts me, you know, uh, to see her example as the one in history who was the, the bearer of Christ, the bearer of God. Um, and, you know, uh, I, you know, definitely uh, use her for her intercessions. You know, we saw at the wedding of Cana of Galilee, her intercession before Christ even wanted to start his public ministry she was able to, to relate to him and ask him to start his ministry early. She has a spe obviously a special connection to, to Christ. Anyone who's a parent here understands that connection to their children. And I'm sure anyone who's a mother, even more than us fathers, understand that connection to their child. And likewise, the child to the mother. And that's no different. That aspect of that relationship is, is very human between Christ and, and his mother. There was a love there that a son has for his mother or a daughter has for her, her mother. Um, and that's why her intercessions are, are, one of the reasons why her intercessions are so special. So that's, that's really all I have. I mean, nothing earth shattering or groundbreaking here, but I just wanted to give a few minutes on hopefully to glorify uh, and venerate uh, this, this very special saint. Um, and hopefully we can remember her lesson of humility to, to really convict us to really charge us to 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 love God uh, as he should be loved so if anybody has any questions yes
Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I don't obviously have an answer for that, but yeah, so the question was, um, you know, was St. Mary somebody who was basically, she wasn't created for the role of being the mother of God, or was she? Or And, and what influence did heaven have on preparing her for that role? Is that accurate, Mike? Um, yeah, I don't necessarily obviously have an answer for that. I mean, but, you know, that's the whole question of, you know, predestination. Any of the saints you could say that for, but, you know, it's it's heightened in her because of, her unique status, uh, but you know, Saint Paul was he supposed? To, did God know that Saint Paul? Was, I mean, of course he knew, right? God, and that that's the the paradox that we always face is that God stands outside of time and knows it's going to be Saint Mary, but it still has to be Saint Mary. Saint Mary didn't know it was going to be Saint Mary. Uh, Anna and Joachim, her parents, the saints, didn't know it was going to be Saint Mary. Um, it says that she was when she was presented to the temple that she was fed by the angels. Right? I mean, what does that mean? Fed by the angels. Food, maybe, but also spiritually fed. She was ministered and fed to by the angels. That's not, you know, I love James and Jonathan and everything, but they're n- I, I, don't, I don't know if that's going to happen to them, you know? But, um, but th- she's different. She, she's different and she stands outside of time. Whether, I mean, obviously God knew it was going to be her, but, you know, I, I don't know how to answer that. But it is something very interesting to think about. But that's for all of us, right? I mean, God knows exactly what you're going to be. He knows exactly what I'm going to be. But I don't know that. So, and my parents don't know that. And maybe my kids know what I am. But, you know, so I, I don't, I don't, sorry for the non-answer. But, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, it's, it's a very interesting no, but I mean, she's, I mean, every single woman who's ever lived and ever been on the face of this earth and ever will live is not St. Mary. You know, she was chosen. You know, so, you know, we as Orthodox should take great exception when somebody tells us she's just some Jewish lady who gave birth to Christ. As if that's bad enough. I mean, you know, Kevin Durant's mom's like flaunting every time he makes a shot, you know? Like, she could have. She, you know, so he was, you know, she's, so any other questions or comments? Yeah, I mean, only to the point of what I've heard, what that you've heard. I mean, it's, number one, culturally very different. I mean, women now are getting married at 25 to 30, on at, like a lot of women, right? That That's a more normal age for, you know, my mom got married when she was 17. And that's just, that's just one generation ago, right? So things were different back then, you know, culturally and socially. So, you know, this wasn't anything that was outside the realm of possibility or, or normalcy there. I mean, life expectancy was a lot less than, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that factors into it. A lot of it's cultural, but I've heard around 13 or 14 as well. Um, but, 
Specifically, I, d I don't. I'd have to. I'd have to look look that up. I, d I don't know specifically. Does anybody have an answer to that? have to look right right so she was taken out of the temple when she reached the period of womanhood from a cultural you know biological standpoint right so she she, she wasn't permitted to be in the temple at that time so maybe that's maybe that's the impetus for why it was early you know, because what's she going to do, hang out for five years? You know, I don't know what women would have done at that point. Any other comments about St. Mary? Anybody want to share any stories or experiences with her? No, her, her body, we believe that her body is in heaven. Like she yeah, I mean, I think it's like the resurrected body, I think. I mean, I don't, I, that's, that's over my pay grade by a lot. Like, so... Yeah, I mean, like Zaytun 